Tim Burton's doing the He's fucking doing the Adam family. The Adam's Adam. family on Netflix is coming out, and that's Tim Burton. And they got uh, anyway. <laughs> anyway, here we are. I feel that like you guys a, always catch us in the middle of some <laughs> weird conversation. Yeah, for sure. That that's how this doing. shit starts. Uh, episode twenty-two. We got Jim Vegas with us today. Yeah. Thanks for doing this, man. Thanks, Thanks for, for coming in. Uh, first, let's knock out the advertisement. Uh, second week in a row. If you're looking for advertisement on the Aaron and Austin show, this is kind of what it looks like. Run your logo. Um, we'll hit you. Well, we'll get you as a guest and thing. You got cups, whatever. We'll let you in on that. Uh, but if as of right now, PK Pest Management is here for your pest management services. So if you need anything, 316-305-7108. There'll be a graphic for that. Hit us up for all of your pest control needs. And uh, we can take care of them for Except you. Except for teenagers. You can't get rid of teenagers legally. No. Well, it, I mean, you can test them. If you spray them they turn, and they die, they, then you know, you might not have a real teenager on your hands. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, hit up uh, PK Pest Management. We have a website and we also have our, we have a Facebook page. And you can also direct me personally. And if you talk about the web, uh, you talk about the podcast, I'll give you $20 off. Uh, your first treatment. So, and we'll take care of everything you need. We're not under con. We don't charge contracts. We pay as we go. We're, we we've been in this town for about ten years. So. Do you notice that when the weather gets colder, all the bugs come inside? Well, it's it, all the mice do. I to, to to pimp yeah. uh, pest control for a minute. It's the long con. Like a lot of people don't realize, if you're spraying reactionary, then you're it's already too late. Yeah, you need yeah. to yeah. maintenance it if you don't want to see anything. And if you use our company and you're a quarterly customer, um, you're under a guarantee. So if we spray in your house four year four times a year and you're having problems, we come out and fix it. So yeah. like if you and that's like part you dig of your up contract, a tree, yeah, it's contract. not we don't put people under contract, but if you're willing to be a four year paying customer, you you use this four times a year. I'll come out and take care of your shit for free. But if you're a one time a year customer and you need some work, I'm you're, I'm charging you for coming. And, out. <laughs> and he'll talk your ear off at no extra. Yeah, charge. and if you want half of the Aaron and Austin show at your house for thirty minutes. And uh, talking shit. Yeah, you, you can have both halves. Just uh, yeah. plan it in advance. Yeah. Well, I, honestly, if uh, I if you if you guys are willing to pay double, I will bring Aaron <laughs> too, and he won't have to do anything. I'm sure he'd be along for that money. I promise, I won't do anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I will just. I'll let you there. sit there yeah. and wait, just for the pure entertainment. If you're willing to have both of us come out, it's going to be an extra sixty bucks though. <laughs> this shit ain't cheap, but nobody's time's free. It covers my gas. Yeah. But anyway, check out the graphic of the local shows coming out and. Uh, if you have any idea for uh, if you got a company or you have something you want to advertise with us, man, get with us. We have a really cheap rates for that. We're not going to hard you charge you nothing to get on our podcast and you know pimp your shit. Yeah. That's what we're all about, right? So check out the graphic. Go see some local shows for sure. So today's episode is episode 22. Yeah, here we are. These are racking right up. Yeah, it gets 22 out. is pretty it goes awesome. Out pretty quick. Uh, but we have Jim Vegas in the house, and your band is the High Rollers. Yep. And you guys are getting ready to release a single? We're getting re- ready to release a full length. Full out? Um, yeah, nice. It's called Shakedown City. And um, yeah, pretty excited about it. we got a um, cool record. It's like uh, a lot of topics that I've never written about before. And a lot of the kind of genres that we haven't really covered before either. So, oh, nice. So, yeah. so, so unpack that a little bit. A lot of uh, subject matter. Like sure. Current. Yeah, sure. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, obviously with the pandemic in the last oh, couple yeah. of years, I think everyone's had a lot of reflection time and, and different things going on. Um, but as I was writing, it, it was interesting because um, a lot of these songs, you know, were things that... Uh, just topics and things that I've never, never, you know, breached. You know, I, I usually write not about myself specifically, but, you know, my point of view is there somewhere within the story of the song, typically. Um, with this, I found more, it was more, um, you know, writing about other things. I mean, uh, you know, there's there's a, a tribute to Tom Petty on this record that, yeah. you know, that I just found myself like thinking about things and, about people and their impact on the world and and uh you know there's a song kind of dealing with with george floyd on the album um there's 
Uh, what else? What do we got? Oh, we got a, a tune about Jack Dorsey on the record that hopefully I won't get sued for. Maybe <laughs> luck, but uh, um, some inter- interesting topics on on the record. So, yeah. Tom Petty a big influence on you? Yeah, you know, I mean, in a lot of ways, there there's a few people who like really kind of threw like pulled things together for me when I was young, you know, because like I. I, I kind of, you know, it's like I started kind of like any kid who's 10 or whatever. You know, I think the first concert I saw was Men at Work or something <laughs> stupid awesome. like that. You know? Yeah, but, dude, something super awesome. Yeah, like, yeah. like super well, awesome. Like super yeah, awesome, but, but then there was but, a period of time that you were guilty about liking it. And now right. you come back around and like everybody can yeah, like it now. Yeah, I mean, thinking, <laughs> thinking back to that age, it's pretty amazing. Because, you know, it's like I remember that summer it was like Run DMC that and then there was like that like some van halen record that came out either that summer or the next summer so i mean when i think back on it it's like the music was kind of all over the map that i was getting hit with young uh but you know like the second concert i saw was bob dylan and tom petty and and before i had gotten to that point i had already heard like a couple bb king records that just totally floored me and i was i was like i i didn't understand what was going on there but i was like I want to do that. I don't know what That's it is. Cool. Yeah, I don't yeah. even know what that is, but I want something to do with that, you know. Um, but there was, I mean, really, it was like a still a disconnect to me in a lot of ways because it's like, especially, and and I see this with blues bands all the time now still. Um, and I, I've probably actually had discussions with you about this at some point or another, but probably. you know, it's it's awkward for me when I go to see a blues band and. You know, there there's like four white guys our age right now singing about picking cotton on the plantation. Yeah, yeah, it's it's and not it, authentic. And, and it, it just the music can be great, like they they can even be putting their heart into it. But there's something there that I go, you know, I just kind of call BS on it. And yeah. um, you know, it's the same thing as when you see like a ten or a twelve year old kid playing the blues. You, you kind of, they can be great technically and there's still something in you that kind of calls bs on it and you just go no um tom petty to me there was something he was he was doing where i could see okay you know he's got the blues element going but he's not he's not playing blues songs no but you couldn't say those aren't blues <laughs> songs either because you know his band was firmly rooted in that in that uh, so, so basis, I, you know i think it's about roots sure i, I, I sure. think if you come yeah. at these like strong roots of a song you know big open chords you know what i mean like right. just powerhouse kind of right. powerhouse through it say what you mean with emotion that everybody yeah. can relate to yeah sure something about that is blues yeah you know what i mean for like, sure and, and and i think blues I think I can hear blues in a lot of different genres. Oh yeah, you know what I mean. Just, yeah, just, just straight up, it it comes with like what you're saying, the authenticity, mm-hmm. that authenticity, that kind of like pain a lot of times. Yeah, the, it can be for sure. Yeah, yeah. But selling that emotion, I think that's a big. Yeah, but I mean, there were a couple a couple of people. I mean, Mose Allison was another one that when I heard him, I was I was like, okay, I got it because. Uh, you know, I don't know how much you guys have ever listened to Moe's, but is Moe's like Luther Allison? No, 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 no. I don't know. No. Mose, I mean, Mose, I'm in the dark. I don't right. know who that is at all. Moe's, uh, you know, probably his most famous tune was a tune called "If Your Mind Is on Vacation." What say the um, name again? If your his name's Moe's Allison, and uh, you know the lyrics on that one. It's your mind is on vacation, but your mouth is working overtime. But <laughs> but I mean, oh, an, man, an, man. an incredible lyricist, really. Like you know, mm-hmm. top notch lyricist. Uh, but he was a piano player, a jazz, oh, uh, blues, piano. blues piano player. But when I heard him, you know, he was doing 12 bars, but he wasn't writing about any of the stuff that you usually heard in, in blues lyrics, you know? And I was like, okay, that's it. Like, you can do anything with that. And then later, of course, I, you know, getting into Bob Dylan, I was like, okay, yeah, you, you know, you can write about anything in this form of music, you know, and you can take it anywhere you want to take it. Where'd you grow up? Did you grow up? I, I grew up in Colorado. In Colorado? Um, yeah, I grew up there. Uh, went to college in, in Berkeley School of Music for like a couple of years, but I was pretty young and Boston kind of freaked me out. I was a little. Boston's weird. Yeah, I was. I was. You know, Especially I was, from a kid, kid from Colorado. Yeah, it was. Man. It was a culture change, kind of culture shock, and 
Um, and honestly, also, I wasn't of the caliber that I probably needed to be at that school yet. What were you so, there doing? What were you guitar? Playing? Guitar? Yeah, studying guitar and theory. Berkeley and Berkeley's crazy you know, hard, man. Is it? Yeah. yeah. yeah wide, I, as far as like musicians, I have no idea, but I recognize it as yeah, it is a really prestigious music school. So it's great. You know, honestly, like it's a great school. I would recommend it to anyone who's you know late twenties, early thirties. That's in music that's wanting to further themselves but know you're schooling tremendous. a little bit you know? but like for, be ready for it to be to be out of, out of high school and to go there it's it's a weird place because it's not a you know there's no real campus per se it's just sort of so there's no social so it's not like a typical college experience right. you're not going to get that like right. fucking fraternity shit and not only that but you're going there with people that are you know spending 15 hours a day in a practice room so yeah, you're not go, you're not going to make a lot of friends right off the bat when you get there because yes, a, you know you're there to, to take care of business so um so i went there for two years then i came back and went to school in fort collins I got involved in a band up there. It was a 15-piece funk band called Calamari Safari. 15-piece? Nice. That sounds fucking amazing, dude. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I love those big bands with a lot of horns and shit. Like, I love that shit. Yeah. That Everybody got paid Calamari six bucks Safari. after the that's, game. Yeah, yeah that's, that's, Oh, God. That, that's and the, you need, that, like, eight buses to carry all the shit you got. That, that's the brutal part about that. You know, being in a band like that is, you know, you get offered a gig and it's like, you know, oh, yeah, we'll give you 2200 for the night. And you go, oh, that's great. And then you realize, wait. We gotta rent the sixteen-person cargo van, then we gotta drive, you know, six <laughs> yeah, hours yeah. to get up to Telluride, and, and then everyone, food. yeah, and everyone yeah. gets fifty bucks by the time you're done. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, that being on stage with that many people is tremendous. And you know, I mean, and that's and it's cool, and I think that's what's. I think that even without me knowing, kind of exposes why that's so cool because it's so fucking hard to pull off. Yeah. Like, how hard is it yeah. to get, like, eight, four dudes together to practice? Well, you're right. doing it for the passion. You're doing it for yeah, the Yeah, so if you're yeah, getting, like, a right. big band together, I think that's why it's so unique. Yeah. Because, yeah. like, I mean, even getting, like, even our project, it's hard. We got to go to your schedule, your oh, schedule, yeah. everybody's schedule. Yeah. It's not easy. It's not yeah. fucking easy. So sure. when you get somebody that shows up with, like, a 16-piece band. For this show, you, know, you have some, to balance five schedules. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and a studio and, and a fucking... The muse stuff that's going on. I mean, you have to. And it's on a real low scale podcast. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah, we're not Every traveling. The, we're not traveling the fucking country. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. I think that's group, what's. You're adding the chance of more drama. Yeah. So oh, yeah. getting the right people together when you have 15 is tough. And that's yeah. what's. I mean, maybe that's what's more impressive. I think about it. That's what brings such a yeah. cool feel to someone who has a big house band like that. Right. Yeah. The, the I mean, the only good side with that is if you have a band with 15 members. Three people cannot show up, and you can still do the gig. <laughs> you know? you're, you're, you're in a three-piece, and two people don't show up. Yeah. Things are a little different. You know? you're you're like, yeah. Okay, so so, um, so we got uh, subs on, on in this big band. So you got Jim Vegas and the High Rollers. How many people are in your band? You still with the horn section right. and everything? Yeah. So, that's so, the... so currently we've got Philip Holmes is playing drums. He's, nice. he's doing the kit, and uh, uh, Aaron Diller's on bass. Oh, nice. Um, Luke, I like Aaron. Luke Young uh, is on saxophone. Oh, Luke was the one I was going to come in today. Sorry, yeah. sorry Luke. Sorry, yeah, couldn't sorry make Luke. Sorry, couldn't I, make I, the schedule. I, I, I messed up his schedule too. He like had a rehearsal that he like canceled half of. So sorry, Luke. Apologize, but um, yeah. So so Luke's it's on, on sax. We're, we're kind of the the core unit. Um, now we do have a, the CD release show coming up at Barleycorns on September fifteenth, which is Thursday night. Um, and for that show, we've got some kind of special guests that are, that are going to be there. We've got uh, Dalton Williams is going to join us on uh, trumpet. Um, nice. And Lynn Vance is going to join us on a couple tunes nice. on guitar. Lovely. Um, so, yeah, some kind of fun guests for that. So should be should be a great night. Yes. Me and Lynn were in the Blue Dirt Daredevils, and we did okay. uh, um, an IBC, International Blues Challenge. Uh, down in Memphis one year and had a lot of fun. Well, elaborate yeah. on that, motherfucker. <laughs> what is? What is yeah, that? Yeah. Okay. So yeah. The, tell, tell me about Memphis because my yeah. ex, my experience You've with had Memphis a couple cool things was that I, I love that mm. town. Like that, yeah. I mean, there's to me there's that street is like untouchable. Beale you know? Street. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I could spend years down there. Right. I, I think that street's here been comes touched. A Here's a Memphis school. <laughs> okay. right. I, I yeah. think that street been touched. Okay, yeah, I hear like, you. I I find Beale Street incredibly commercial, mm, but sure. uh, but I will say, okay, now now this is coming. Uh, I went down there at one point for eight different years in a row with the IBC, okay. with different blues societies sending me down. I went down one year and did like uh, the Women in Blues showcase uh, with Rochelle Coba and. I just went down there actually this year with uh, Orphan John and we played BBs. That was the last club on Beale Street that I hadn't played. Right. 
and finally got to wrap that off my bucket list. Rare Aaroning open up, opening up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, but but uh, but yeah, okay. So my favorite place on Beale Street yeah. is a place called the Absinthe Room, okay. and that's where the local well, that's industry cool guys. It was like it, it, it was always a hidden. It was always like kind of. It's like a speakeasy. Yeah, it's this hidden door that. What's well, absent? Do they sell absent in the joint? They actually do. Yeah, fuck yeah, yeah dude. But we can all get weird in there. the corner on some absent. Fuck you'd it. You'd go up there because there wasn't the IBC folks. There wasn't like everybody. The oh, you get away. You get away. But, yeah, it, it wasn't touristy Beale Street. There wasn't blues playing. It was just a jukebox in the corner playing some like fucking Nickelback or something uh, stupid. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And uh, but that was the best place. Bartender up there named Chico. And I was going up there for shout out to Chico. Shout out to Chico. <laughs> He's he is the man. He, he's awesome. But you go up there and just kind of chill. There's big comfy couches and pool tables, and it was like locals. It wasn't tourists, and that's what I wanted to see anyway. Yeah, that well, you want to anytime you go. There's always the cool place in the town that turns into the cool place, mm-hmm. and then it over gets oversaturated sure. because. When you go to the cool place, the only people at the cool place now are people from out of town. Yeah. I, None I, of the local fucking people are there. They've all moved yeah. over to the secondary cool place yeah. that you don't fucking know about. Because <laughs> they got to be hipsters. Yeah, they move up. So that's always the cool thing to do. Like, I want to do that every town I go to, too, is I look find at the it secondary like this, cool place. I look at it like this. I think they keep the tourists over here to not fuck with the rest of the town. Well, sometimes, you know I mean? but sometimes they don't mean it to happen like that. It happens in K- in Kansas City, like the whole red light district is like that power and light. Yeah, that yeah. power and light yeah. shit is all like they, they got tight ass restaurants at that motherfucker. But I'm out. I don't want to go. <laughs> but now, every, but how they did it was like, okay, now power and lights real cool. The real cool place is Westport now. Right. Yeah. So what the fuck yeah. is buzzing? Of course, oh, your phone. Oh, okay. Jesus, I thought it was a fucking helicopter mountain landing here. <laughs> that's, that's why I didn't put it on the desk. Were you hearing that, desk. John? Oh, oh yeah. Oh, dude, okay. I hear everything. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I need shock absorbers for that phone. Well, I, I'll try to let stop letting squeakers out if he's hearing everything. Hey, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> no, but anyway, so you're from Colorado originally. Where in Colorado? Yeah, uh, just south of Denver a little ways. So in the suburbs of Denver around suburbs, there? Oh, I yeah. fucking love that area. Um, so you you go to... So, so I go to Boston, come back to Colorado, get in this band. That band sort of deteriorates over, you know, everyone's in college, so everyone starts to leave. We, out of that band, we, we pull like three guys... And we start this band called Booty Brown, and uh, we 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 tail it out to, to L.A. And so we spend the next six years in L.A. playing out there. Uh, I was playing. It was you know at that point the, the great thing was like we were all on the same page in that band. Like you know that, that was the downside of it too. In some ways, is like, like all lived it, it was pretty. It was pretty. Yeah, I mean mm-hmm. we you know we were we were tight, um, but it was you know it was very morphine. Uh, influence the band morphine, not the drug, obviously. But yeah, so so we, you know we were out there playing. Uh, I actually got a really cool job out there at a, a music agency that represented composers for film. Uh, so I, I got to work there for about five years and got. What'd to, you do? What'd oh, you I, do? I got to do all kinds of cool things. I I I, uh, I got to go to. Um, Bob Clear Mountain Studio. That was actually because that that was cool because I was I was working at Guitar Center in their pro audio department there, which sounds kind of lame for anyone who's like in a small town or right. something. You're like a Midwest Guitar but Center, but this is in, different. But in LA, in I mean, that's a whole different ball game. I mean, you you, you know, I sold microphones you had to, to, to corn. You had to be and, a good know, musician. Kind of, it was job. it was a, a cool thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, that going to Bob Clear Mountain Studio was like a major. Thing. I mean, it was just mind blowing to me at that age. You know, he had like a wine cellar that he has a microphone in the middle of this room, uh, and that's you know it's his reverb room, and that's yeah, that's what he brings the reverb back in on the board. I mean, it was at that age I was like, what? You know, like yeah. how do you have a whole room in your house that's for reverb? Just you for know? reverb. Well, explain. I'm amazing. sorry. Explain that. What do you? Okay. Okay. So, so we, we have a hallway here. <laughs> I was about really to let you just guys right, just go, sure. but I was like, I don't know. What the so w- when we started uh, filming this, a couple episodes, we would have live performers out in the hallway because the reverb was so good. Reverb right. is basically that echo that you hear. You know what I mean? Yes. And so w- we've talked about it here, this being a recording studio, what happens if we pipe the 
music out there and then right. just mic it yeah, like, yeah. like 10 feet away. Right. We would get that natural hall reverb. You yeah. Know? Oh, man. Some of those recordings sound so good. Oh, yeah. So they would have, they had a room yeah, that was set up perfectly now? If you, yeah. And if, you, like li- if you listen to like those old chess records, the See, blues, blues records, you'll hear that all the time yeah. where like they bring in the reverb for a minute or two and slide it back out. And like, I mean, especially those people we were talking about BB King, those records, like you'll notice all of a sudden like his, his guitar is just buried in reverb and then it come, pulls back and is back in. Yeah. I mean, that's all real room reverbs that they were, you know, pulling in. So is that way. only can be created through the structure that you are playing in? I mean, you know, not only, not now. You okay. know, there's, now there's, there's, there's a lot of digital reverbs. You can, there's you know, so, but like but old school, like it had to be created through the sound of the room. Yeah, there, the there was part? something about like Led Zeppelin, Sorry, so you know, that they that they've rented out this mansion, you know. Yeah, right. And uh, they put John Bonham's drums in this stairwell that went up like three stories. Right. So, that they so could you're looking them. for like buildings and sounds that can recreate back in the day they did back in the day they did I mean you still do that and you now still can if, you, if you can afford it you still you do that now some, too because you, you can know, find but, some real authentic sound like what you guys right, found right, out there okay right. that makes sense yeah, yeah that's what I'm saying we're starting to understand it that says hall reverb because we have a hall we have a hall right. you know <laughs> And uh, that and, makes sense. So you yeah. can recreate it. You can recreate it naturally. But right. that's but those programs and shit were set up based on yeah. people finding those sounds in a structure right. originally. They're trying to right. make their okay. VST plugins. Sorry for like sorry for every person that knows this, but I know half of you don't know like well, that. Yeah, no, <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, but, but back really in the day, algorithms that, to make it sound that way. Okay. Back in the day, that's what you would do is you would look for the space. To and that's make why. This right so room. so yeah. is 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 that what you're looking for mainly in the space? So when you have a good room, does that mean it has a good reverb in it? Or uh, it well, just has a good sound. I mean, so, some I'm trying to understand that word it, it, reverb. It, yeah, as much I mean as the reverb is is kind of a different thing. Like the space itself. I mean, yeah. you're. Yeah. You know, we're trying to do something crazy when we're playing music. Like yeah. any, anyone who's trying to capture it really is somewhat insane because you're trying to you're dealing with a sound wave and you're trying to control it. And, you I'm know, that that, that, alone, that alone that alone is kind of insane. But I mean, but you, you, you think about like the frequencies from bass drum or bass guitar, those things are going 15 20 feet tall the amplitude of that wave yeah so a, a bass so, instrument will throw really large waves really okay. long so yeah. so if your room if you have a room that's got a 20 30 foot ceiling that's magnificent for low end because those waves actually have time to Develop. go, go Develop. their full distance so they can, they're not contained yeah. They can still. Oh, okay, okay. They can I'm getting there. My brain's develop. finally getting there. Right. My horse is develop. finally crossing the finish line. But you can <laughs> see this kind of like squashing it in makes them longer. Mm-hmm. You know. Like so okay, that the makes vibrations sense. Vibrations will come sense. by. So, but right now they've created they've created algorithms and, and software oh, programs. That, yeah, yeah. So, there's, there's so but it's still kind of cool, just like having a vintage record to find a vintage place that gives you that sound well, authentically. Well, so that's fucking now. Cool. Now I think in the age of everybody has a laptop and an interface and they think they own a fucking studio. I mean. I, like I think it's cool to go backwards. Yeah. I, yeah, I think now the idea is go backwards. Well, yeah, now, that's that always if, is if that I can way. get this outdated tape machine and really get a good sound on it. Right, I might have a unique sounding record that. Sure, I mean every you know, every. To me, it's like they're they're all tools. It's like yeah, a, right. a hammer and a saw and whatever you know. Exactly. It's like that you know a four track totally has its place. A real real machine has its place. You know, Pro Tools definitely has its place. Um, you know, but they're all tools to get to sort of different, a different sound, you know? So, and I, I think that's one of the most challenging things as a, as a musician in some ways in our current climate is on the one hand, everyone's become so accustomed to the Pro Tools sort of perfected sound of, you know, uh, you know, voice tuning and everything up to the click and, you know, everything perfectly in tune. Um, but honestly, that may not be the sound that you are going for. It might be what you, you know? want. I mean, I, I I just have realized recently, you know, after twenty years of people sticking a mic right up on the grill of my of my amp and one six feet back, that that was not the sound I wanted. Like right. I wa- I wanted like one one mic five feet away from my amp, and I didn't want anything up front and close on it. Right. You know, but but that it depends on what you what you want things to sound like and how you imagine it yeah. to be you know yeah like orange amps to me always had a different it. sound sure you know what i mean like orange amps had their own thing and i always thought that was cool yeah i can hear a mesa boogie do a wreck on a record i don't like it. Yeah. orange amps orange is a brand orange. of amp, yeah. amplifier uh, english 
Right. A buddy of mine and I used to go into stores and hear like music playing. Come on, man. And we would like try and guess <laughs> what kids. guitars were being used over what yeah, amps. At least it happened when John all was that talking. Kind of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> we had competitions. About don't laugh at yeah. that. Don't laugh at that. But no, but, but I can hear a Mesa dual rack right. on a record. Good timing, like though. It. I don't like it. You know what I mean? It, right. it sounds like Velveeta cheese. I'd rather have some real smoked Gouda. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Hey, right. man, don't fucking shit on Velveeta. Well, Velveeta's like one molecule. Dude, you mad? But are you from. mad at any cheese? I mean, yeah, kind of Velveeta. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. It was, right. I mean, those are those are just kind of things you learn as you go. You know? Yeah, yeah exactly. It's like I mean, I, I started out playing Strat you know, fender strats like kind of you do when you're a kid. You know, and it, and like at a certain point I was like, why why is it like why can't I do what I want to do? And then I finally you know, I started thinking about it. I was like, nobody that I like their guitar playing a lot, you know, who I'm a huge fan playing of I'm just playing, playing one strat, of those. Yeah. You know, everyone was playing three thirty fives or like, you know, different things. I can kind of hear a strat on a record. And too. yeah, I mean and it's oh, yeah. and Absolutely. I and I and I love strats. Don't okay. get don't get me wrong. Okay. I mean okay. Hendrix I used to put, a strat. I hate so, to put the brakes in. What 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 is so different about a strat and a regular guitar? Uh, a strat has three single coil pickups. Mm -hmm. Okay, I remember the pickups talking. And to me it they spanky. Yeah, yeah. To me. But uh, why are they most? Why are they considered one of the most famous guitars? Okay, all right. Well, uh, to the people that don't know guitars, because Stratocasters are the ones we know about. Because Hendrix played one. Because Hendrix is that really Eric Clapton played one. That's that all it is. Really, Clapton. I would say Stevie Ray Vaughan. Yeah. And 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 the most iconic Strat sound to me is Niles Rogers. Right. Like this real like who Rogers who Aaron Rogers no Niles Rogers Niles. No, Niles I'm, was the funk guy, man. Niles yeah. was. I don't know the fuck that is. No, yeah. I mean, I mean, the other funk, the, you got to do it on a strap. It's yeah. got that spanky yeah. sound yeah. you need. Yeah. So, so I mean, it does have its place. Oh, sure, absolutely. Well, and the other thing about strats is they're thin. So, if you have a, a big sound that you're trying to squeeze a guitar into, it's strats, it's, it's the right tool. it's the right tool. Yeah. You know, and, and and this is why guitar players need about thirteen to fourteen different guitars. Yeah, yeah. Right. Well, that makes right. sense. Yeah. I mean, it makes so sense. The more I learn, yeah. which I don't know shit, the more if, I learn that I didn't realize. That there is such a difference in oh, your yeah. guys' totally. tools. Totally. Well, well, I that's mean, the thing. You can have like you can learn on a, a Fender Strat and love that feel, but yeah. not like the spankiness of the the single coils. Yeah. So you get a big. Fat Does all this apply to basses as well? You get a big yeah, but not as much. Fat Strat. Yeah. But, you, but then you tell me, you yes. roll with the same fucking bass and kill it no yeah. matter what. No, no, but 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 also like okay. So when I'm out with Terry Quiet Band, I play a five string Ibanez ATK that I've customized the preamp on. And okay. when I play with Orphan John, the mother bucker in it. I, Tell him about the mother bucker. There's a mother bucker on it, and that's amazing. Yeah, well, you know, I don't but know. When, when, I didn't know I the with, other shit you said. I don't know what that means. <laughs> when I play with Orphan John, I play with a semi hollow body Epiphone Jack Cassidy. Yeah, those. You know those are I mean? my favorite. Yeah. Well, and then, I mean, and then you then with bass, you know, you think about stand up bass players, and you think about the whole rockabilly thing. Yep. I mean, that's got its own sound. You know, I mean, Elvis had that and did that, and it was awesome. Um, did you guys see the Elvis movie, by the way? I Not haven't yet. yet. I haven't yet either. It's on. I, I dug it. It was good. I wasn't sure. Like it took. I'm still my. I'm still deciding whether Tom Hanks was like magnificent in it or. I'm, I'm still like my my verdict's out on that. So he played he played Doc, he played right? the Colonel. The Colonel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Well, the thing is for me when you've seen. Uh, when they finally get to these adaptations of some of these big ones like Johnny Cash and all the ones they eventually do, I've right. seen so many documentaries. Right. Like, I am a documentary junkie. So it's kind of weird to see these, like, fake, uh, glamorized right. yeah. movie adaptations of right. the movies. So that is, like, I'm normally not a movie critic. You guys know me. I'll go to a movie and I've got eyes wide open and love them. But when it's, like, something about somebody's life that's, like, supposed to be true... A lot of the times, the fucking real documentary is more exciting than sure. the yeah. bullshit yeah, yeah, adaptation yeah. of an actor. Yeah. They've got to do it. Yeah. And I've watched so many of those of Johnny and Elvis and like that. It's hard to watch that movie, yeah. but I got it on my queue. I'm going to watch yeah. it. No, so I, Who I, does I, Elvis in this one? Uh, I don't remember. It, something like, huh? Austin yeah, Austin yeah, Butler, Austin that's Butler. Austin that's Butler. who it was. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Really know. Must be a I new guy, say, right? Like, no, but he, but he, was, but he really was good. good. Yeah, it was pretty impressive. The youngest guy in the yeah, room knew it. Impressive. Uh, it's always it's always worth a watch too, because like I mean, Elvis was fucking cool. <laughs> Elvis yeah, was, well, his he, middle name was Aaron. So know, I mean, I mean <laughs> it just has a fucking crazy fucking story. How how do you be like Elvis and 
and like Marilyn Monroe and people in that time ch- charted in uncharted waters that's, where there's where there's the nobody yeah. that was famous that yeah. famous yeah. before them. They so like what the what the fuck yeah. do you you have you don't get to look back on like Michael Jackson and a few other people at least had like a few famous people to look back. There was right. nobody before them. There was yeah. nobody of yeah. that level of fame. Yeah. How did the fuck would you handle yeah. that level of fame? Well, I mean, and, and, and that's why Elvis and the Beatles these guys were so famous. Yeah. Because right. they created it. They blazed the path. Kind of yeah. created. Fame. Sure. I mean, for the most part. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they the, created that sensationalism. You, imagine having everybody show up at the airport, everywhere you go, before like multimedia television and social media was even a thought. I mean, you, Michael Jordan and a few of these other people that got to be these big artists. At least, at least TV and news was a big right. thing. At the you're talking back in the day when there was shit. Yeah. Barely, barely, there was nothing to model your life after. So, right. like, I mean, dying on the toilet feels like an adaptation of something that you should happen to the only guy. The first, the re- honestly, he is the first. I wouldn't advise that. I think, I think there's better ways to go out. But as the very first, first, like, real true national celebrity, maybe. Well, I, I, I think it's funny that the first true national celebrity overdosed. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, because that just set the, the tone for the for whole thing. For all the thing. pressure. Set the tone for the <laughs> sure. whole fucking Well, it lets you know how much pressure was there. Yeah. Right. The 27 I mean, Club sure. and all that. No, he was 42. Oh, Elvis well, was 42. Yeah, no. The 27 Club came later, but... That's like, right. Oh, is that... So, I mean, was the 27 Club? Is that like Hendrix and all them that died at... So, so yeah, Morrison. Morrison. Janis Joplin, Joplin, I think, is in there. Joplin and Kurt Cobain. Kurt Cobain. Kurt Cobain didn't come. Oh, and Amy Winehouse, I think, was there, too. I agree, Austin. Amy Winehouse. I agree. Soaked in bleach, check out that documentary. I agree. Fucking Kurt Cobain was I've been thinking that long before that. Courtney Love killed that motherfucker. Yeah, fuck that motherfucker. She had some good songs after that. Maybe oh she stole them from. She stole them from fucking. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you man. do what you got to do. The whole whole thing was. <laughs> that, was that, that was production. <laughs> so you're out in you're out, as we keep circling back around. Sure, to yeah, what yeah. You're, yeah. <laughs> you're out in L.A. So so yeah, I'm out in L.A. I'm, you know, things things are great. I'm, <coughs> I'm working at a music agency, going with the band. Then uh, our saxophone player in that band, like he was kind of the first one that was like, I'm gonna leave town. You know. <laughs> so, so you've always so like, you've always had horns. Intricate in for, for, for a long time, yeah, like like pretty much since. I fucking love that part. Yeah, I you know I, to to me like saxophone was 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 just kind of crucial for what I heard in my head. Always, well, you mentioned morphine you know? being a huge influence. Yeah, and it's always yeah. been and, and, like and, ever since yeah, you started I mean, these bands. Were they and, always your vision? Was it always like you were kind of the driving force to the? Well, you know, it wasn't like. It wasn't like I started it. it was certainly in the funk band, that was not the case for sure. That was, a, you know, everyone, way too many different ideas in that for it to be one person's thing. Um, you know, at a, at a certain point, I, we did, you know, it was like you, you're in a band, and it's like, well, what are we going to play? You know, so are we going to play a bunch of cover songs or are we going to write our own stuff? So, yeah. and that's a question you got to answer for yourself when you're in a group. Do I want to make so, money or not? Right. And what's funny, and what's funny, all of, all of us music fans out there, when you hear them say that, the funny thing is, is you think that making original music is the key to making money. It's really not. All of these bands make a lot well, of money doing covers. I'm not going to well, say it's that's, not. That, that, yeah. that depends make, on where things go. Yeah, it wasn't right. whether you want to play the long Which, con or the short con. Is what yeah, I feel so like you Which, can play covers and you can make the immediate money fast, right. or you can or you play can invest originals, invest in yourself, and hope to make the better money later on. Right, because it's still a chance. But the gamble's <laughs> higher, man. I gamble. mean, your your odds are worse. Well, it's less likely. Right. But, yeah. less likely. But, but that but if being you do said, make it, you make it filthy rich. That you know? that being said, though, like you get filthy rich one or two sync placements on a commercial, on whatever. Yeah. You're gonna make more money with that than you would in bar gigs for a long time. It is. It's like yeah, I mean, it's it's, you, you get you get one or two of those things where they just land at the right time, and that's what that game is all about. Yeah, is you know you've got a music supervisor or whatever who's you know they've got a a movie called Monday, and they need a song Dude. about Monday. And you got a Monday song. happen to write a song about Monday. <laughs> and you got and, a and fucking you, Monday you, song. And you happen to get it to him two weeks before he needs it, and he's like, yeah. that's it. That's the tune. And yeah. then you're in, and you got 20 grand in your pocket. And that's... Dude, and residuals on, on that, too. Like every yeah. time it plays, you get royalties like on that, right? right? So, I mean, there's a whole, there's a whole you know, train of thought like in songwriters where it's like, what do you write about? Well, first you write a song about every day of the week. Then, then you start picking every town this in gold. every yeah. town in America. 
You know, you write a song about Los Angeles. You write a song about where you're Chicago. At, where you're going to be. You write a song about every giant town. Yeah, yeah. I then, hope you're fucking listening. To this. Then, then, of course, Chuck Berry kind of taught us all this one. You write a song about every car you could possibly imagine. Oh, boom, boom. You know, <laughs> I mean, Chuck Berry kind of kind of set it up. There. It's like you write about girls, cars, and school. Let's go redheads, brunettes, um, brown eyes. <laughs> right. I mean, but, this seems like it still would applies today. <laughs> that's, that's, <laughs> like, yeah, like this totally. model hasn't changed. No, I mean, there, there's a there's a lot to that. I mean, to to me, the the great thing about writing your own songs is to me that's really when you learn the craft and that's really when you get the respect for the bands in a proper way almost i mean like i you can listen to bands your whole life and think they're great but until you have tried to write 10 songs you aren't really going to understand how great those bands were right um because once you realize everything that goes into a song from lyrics to rhyme schemes to you know rhythmic patterns in 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 lyrics and how things fit together and how you know how certain rhymes can push a song into the chorus versus a different rhyme scheme can stop it from going you know slow it down and i'm not talking about tempo i'm just talking about the dynamic of, or the emotional impact of the chorus right. and uh you know those are things you 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 don't learn those when you're trying to learn the guitar part for a rolling stones tune because you're not thinking about that you're not thinking about the big aspects of the song from, okay, there's the emotional side, there's the lyric side, there's the rhyme side. Then you got the whole musician angle of, you know, yeah. was that a great solo? Was that a great You're not thinking tone? of why they did this, you're thinking of how they did that. Right. Yeah, you're just basically trying to figure out how yeah. to recreate it, right? So, and, and that's a, a total talent, too. I'm not, I'm not dissing people who do that because, you know, that takes a lot of work, too, to dial up the right sounds and figure out how to recreate tunes for cover tunes. That's... You know, that's, that's but, work, too. But I found it to be kind of a regional gimmick. Right. You know what I mean? Like, if I'm in a cover band, right. yes, I can 100% go around and make about 2500 bucks a night, corporate gigs, weddings, right. etc. Yeah. Um, but I'm kind of confined to my area mm-hmm. because the next area over, they have their awesome yeah, they, Everybody's band. got that guy, well, too. You know, and that's, they have their that, awesome that's, cover band. That, that's, and that's interesting, too. I mean, I, with... With original music, that's it's still. I'm glad that there's still, it's it's, there's still an element of that. It's not nearly what it was. I mean, there was a point where regional music was so important. You know, right. where like the only place you were going to hear New Orleans music was down in New Orleans. You right. know, that's that's right. the only hey. place well, you're going to hear. Come hear it. Come yeah, on here. But can but, I fuck your time up a little bit, Aaron? What? Did you know that Creed started out as a Doors cover band? I don't want to hear that's that. How shit. This, that's how no they got discovered. What does this mean? I don't want to hear that shit. No. <laughs> they got discovered like as a Doors cover. Scott band. Stapp gave me Stapp infection, <laughs> and I'm out. You know, I love that. When he came to my wedding, he was a bad wedding guest. Like Stappless. But anyway, sorry. What were we talking about? John, John, I blame you now. <laughs> no, I I just said that like creed right. sort of as, no, no, as a regional, cover band. regional music. So, like, yes, yeah. well, there's a di- so, I think like, there's like difference like, between the I regional cover you. band or the regional like music. Like you guys are talking like that has the feel of the right. region. Well, like I can tell you, for instance, in Colorado, there's always going to be five times as many Grateful Dead cover bands as anywhere else that I've ever that been, no that I've ever been in the country. That ain't no shit. Well, right. You know, so and so there there are regions where like. Like whether whether you're doing original or cover stuff, you so and and honestly, Wichita is always going to have a huge bluegrass thing because mm-hmm. of Winfield and because yep. of what that's done. What a cool and and it's is. also got a very huge compared to a lot of other places that I've been like heavy heavy rock scene. You yeah, know? ain't that funny? Like yeah. I, like you yeah, like, I mean that, different music. You but would they're think that the country here. music out of here would have been great. And what's, oh, and what's right. weird is a lot of the people that support the bluegrass and the the heavy rock scene are the same motherfuckers. Can I give a quick <laughs> shout out right now? Like yeah, why uh, not? It's your own so, show. Uh, <laughs> he's he say the fuck you want. <laughs> but uh, this derails the conversation. Yeah, it doesn't, so, it doesn't matter. Um, this is kind of our when, thing. W- w- when we put like competition music, right. it's a weird thing for me. I don't like it. Yeah. It's it's apples and oranges, okay? Sure. But uh, Jack Daniels did a huge competition the I, other day. I, I think I saw and that. fucking Mountain Deer Revival, yeah. our local guys, yeah, won the whole <laughs> thing. Holy yeah. shit. That's yeah. right. They won $10,000. Oh, so there was yeah, a... There awesome. was a they, 
Somebody from here. One Jack session. Daniels did a like Who battle the fuck of is the bands. That? The, 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 the Jack Daniels they make whiskey. Um, oh, the Jack Daniels isn't the band. <laughs> no, Jack oh. Daniels they make whiskey. They uh, barely. Yeah. Well, it's tolerable. <laughs> in short, short shots, you know. But but anyway, I see you ordered a lot. Let me tell you. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> uh, Mountain Deer Revival won that whole thing. Yeah, that's okay. Awesome. That's the band. Wow. Mountain Deer Revival is our local guys. Yeah. Um, I know co- them. The Coffee I don't Brothers. Know them at all. Oh my amazing. God, they're amazing. Well, and now we have Sorry, to have them know. on the show. Yeah. 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 And yeah. you can tell me about how stupid I am for not knowing who you were. I'm sorry, but I'm glad you wanted to bring drink. eggs. Bring yeah. some Jack Daniels. We'll drink it barely. I mean, yeah, that's yeah. tough. Well, no, now they're sponsored. We can show the label. Right. Right. So. Well, anyway, let's get back to fucking what Jim was yeah. talking about. Hey, where did you record at? Where is uh, this, th- this, this record we did down in, in Wellington with Carter Green. Nice. Um, I've, I've done about so yeah, so almost almost five records down with Carter. Um, and I, I, I love working with Carter. We 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 have a he seems to understand what I'm doing and any. Uh, the thing that I like about Carter is he pushes back on me. I mean, he, yeah. he, he I, there, I'll tell him what I want, and he'll see, he'll be like, nah, you don't want that. And I'll be like, yeah, no, I do. You know, and he'll be like, no, you know, and, you know, you so find a middle we, ground. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's good. You know, I mean, I, I, for, I know without a doubt, I, I love using all kinds of effects more than, yeah. than he normally would. Uh, and I probably push him to use different things than he would do if he was doing it his way. Uh, but he pulls me back from, you know, making a mistake. And well, the thing is, he probably would say way. the same thing about you that you're yeah. challenging the way he, making him better too. Right. It's nice when like yeah. there's a give and take yeah, a little right. bit. Like that's what yeah. we found. Like you need a little bit of like, hey, this is what I want to do, and this is what we want to do. Let's find some middle yeah. ground. And, and Carter's been doing some really cool stuff. He's like been doing some shows, yeah. some different like spec work. Yeah, that is... he just he just did some music for a documentary. That yeah, got a. Grammy, I think. Yeah, like, hey, let's, yeah. So it's like I mean, hey, let's get him. A, let's get him on. But but yeah, yeah, yeah Carter. Yeah, Carter Green, Green Studios. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Carter. Carter. Would, be, would he be into coming on? You think? Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, if if he if he has the time, I mean, that's right. the thing. Honestly, right. like yeah. that's that's the tough we'll part with Carter is he, he's booked about three three and a half months out usually. Yeah. So. He's busy. He's a busy guy. But all the, the, all the, the load in up those stairs are. suck a little yeah. bit. All you guys, yeah. all you hustlers are. You guys are busy. Well, all of you guys are. <laughs> yeah. Well, you try. You know. I mean, yeah. that's 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 the, you know, it's it's a hard thing because you either you're either too busy or else you're waiting, and you, you yeah. don't you don't want to be waiting because hurry up and wait. Yeah, and and it you know, it gets challenging as a band leader no matter what you're doing. Um, but I think when you're writing your own material and writing original material it's it's a little bit harder almost in that way because there are certain periods where you get into sort of songwriting cycles where for whatever reason that month songs are coming to you and it's like it's it's hard because you gotta you gotta get those when they're there because they won't be they won't be there two weeks from now if you don't do them then you're gonna lose them um the hard part of course is you're trying to keep this band operating too so it's like you're kind of trying to put everything on hold to get that time and then you know and and same thing with recording records you know it, it takes away from live gigs and live time and uh, and then you're you know planning planning how you're gonna try to release records and which is sort of its own unique challenge uh, you know, this sort of so what have you found? I mean, yeah, every time I release a record, mm-hmm. it seems like the industry shifted just sure. enough. I have to relearn how to release a record. That's yeah, that's <laughs> every I mean, that's a fucking two month process. It feels like every time. Right. Well, it does. Uh, it, 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 it really is. Yeah. Right? It really yeah, is. Tough, like, look, I, I can I can get my record done through Oasis or something. Right. Okay, and they will sell me a digital distribution package. Mm-hmm. Now, what they don't tell you is that iTunes is going to release this date. Spotify will release this date, Rhapsody this date, Apple Music this date, and you don't actually have a release date. Right. It's scattered over the next six weeks, yeah. and you can't nail yeah. anything down. Yeah, no, it's so I'm, that kills you. That that kills you. It's so a hor- you it's a horribly date and set that for all of them. Yes, that's yeah. how it has to be, but they don't right. do that. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's to me, it's a horribly confusing time yeah, as a, right. as an artist as far as the. Figuring out how to how and, to, and where how, to what to do, how what to, to where, do with your product, yeah. how to and where yeah. to release it. Yeah, right. like do you want right. clips of it? Do I make reels yeah. of it? Do I make and this of it? Do I want to? Yeah. Do you want to? Do you want the whole album? Do you want one song? What the fuck do I do? And, sure. And 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 you can you can make those decisions based on the data in front of you, mm-hmm. 
It changes, and you'll be wrong by the time you do. Well, there is no algorithm for 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 viral, and they've always said it. There is no, there is no real, like this is what you got to do to make it work. Yeah, no, that's true. I mean, and it's, I mean, there's a lot of options at this point. You know, you've got, you know, you got Patreon, obviously. You know, I know some artists were like. They don't even try to sell anything anymore. They just try to get everyone to give them money through Patreon, you know, and or they, you know, try to give them so that every month they know they got two, three hundred bucks coming in through Patreon, and that's what's, what what's they Patreon? do, you know, whatever. Um, yeah, it's basically crowdfunding, you know, um, you know, and then you've got Bandcamp. A lot of a lot of people love Bandcamp. Um, they put their stuff up there, sell stuff on Bandcamp. Like what do you like your merchant shit or like your your CD and and a lot of times it's sort of a you don't necessarily you can list things where you don't have a price so it's like you you tell me what you want to pay for my album and then then you can have it so some people assuming they're big fans might give you two hundred dollars for your record where someone else may give you a dollar and they both get the record just <laughs> kind of a weird concept like guys, you know so. yeah yeah Maybe. exactly right. But but it's if you reach people on a personal personal level, you do get those fans. This is well, and, and, yeah. and that's kind of the deal behind Patreon. Okay, Patreon. Yeah, I never even heard of that. Shit Patreon's a thing to where they go, hey, I consistently like what you do, and I'm going to give you a monthly yeah um, thing that just stipend or whatever really. automatically yeah. comes out of my account every month for you. Sure, five bucks yeah. a month I give you. You right. know, and and what we're able to do is be like, okay, look, you've hit a certain yeah. tier. I'm going to give you some special content. As a Patreon member, oh, I get you like a little perks. Yeah, perks. Yeah. You, you give me twenty bucks, here you go. This is that, you know. Yeah. At like fifty bucks a month, you know, you get a birthday greeting every year. I don't know, you know, whatever it is, whatever. You get. Here's here's me jamming in my studio for a little bit, and uh, here's a little thing, you know. Yeah. Here's me. Here's a song that made me think of you. Some I wish I knew this. I feel bad if this was your book. I apologize. Somebody wrote a book. It was a few years back about this, where essentially their their philosophy was, you as an artist, no matter what your you know field is, you really only need a hundred true fans. That if a hundred people are really willing to support everything you do, that 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 is enough to sustain a career. You know and that was the theory. You know? Well, if that theory's fucking good, I love that theory. Right. <laughs> now we got to make all those hundred fans give us a hundred bucks a month, and we're. Maybe just a dollar though. Start with fifty. It's fifty bucks a month. But yeah, I mean, it it is a strange, strange time where like hey, quick, you know, hey, quick, all quick break. Are we okay as production wise, guys? Yeah, we're good. Is there anything we need to do? You guys are okay? We're still recording here. Everything's okay. Okay, perfect. I I, I gotta address the elephant room, guys. I can't I can't let it just go. On. Yeah, we started running around a little bit. Just make sure everything's okay. Yeah, that's fine. Hey, this is this is not a. We ain't fucking shooting goddamn Wheaties commercials. We don't have a fourth wall. Yeah, we don't give a fuck, dude. You're, you're here with us. Yeah, you're, you're, you're with us. You're here going through this with us. And, 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 and honestly, why keep having a conversation that we're not getting? You know what I'm saying? Like, so we might as well make sure. Hey, worst case scenario, we still got the guest camera. It's fine. Yeah, I knew that's why. That's why I knew that. So I was trying to make sure that that was going on. So I do want to give you a moment right now. Tell the people. Yeah. How to get a hold of you? How to find you? Uh, no, this is time to hold up all your cool yeah. shit. Okay. Pimp, pimp your. Well, I love, I'm not gonna lie. I fucking love the flyer. Yeah, the flyer. Okay. The flyer is dope as shit. Yeah, I'll start. Right here, right here. I'll start with the flyer, which is also the uh, CD cover. Yeah, I mean, same thing. I would 100 percent roll that. That's this, yeah. shit. this one, this was it was a cool, cool thing for me. There's a. Um, um, a graphic artist. He's a storyboard illustrator friend that I went to college with. Uh, he's, you know, he's been working out there with films for a long time, and uh, just as I as I was thinking about this record, and and I, I had this idea in my head, kind of as to what I wanted, and so I, you know, I contacted him. I said, "Listen, I know I know you're like super busy because he always is," and I said, "And I know I can't afford you, and I hate I hate doing that to my friends more than anything because it's like you know everyone always does that to you as an artist. You know, it's like I can't afford you, but you know so." But you know, he said, "Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll draw you something." He said, a good friend. "He said I'm not going to colorize it for you, but I'll draw, I'll do the sketch, and then you use the guy that usually does the colorization for me." And you know, I was like, "Yeah, so let's do it." So Trevor Hoyer wrote, did the uh, illustration, and it's awesome. And then, yeah, let's hit it one more time. Show it yeah, one more time. And then uh, and it's fucking beautiful. Really cool. And, beautiful and, fucking artwork. Yeah, and he he nailed it. And Shakedown City is the album. Right? Shakedown City is the album. Jim Vegas and the High Rollers. Yeah. 
And this is the and this this comes, comes out that day as well. It actually will come out on the 16th, so the day after my birthday. Um, Ooh. So yeah, September 16th, the record will be out on Spotify and Amazon and iTunes and all those usual places. Um, and we have the, the show that night from 8 to 10 at Barleycorns. Five bucks. Uh, five bucks. Yeah, five bucks. Come to the show. Um, what else you got? So, so, yeah, so anyways, yeah, I got to keep going with this. So uh, Rob Work was the one who did the colorization. And then a uh, big shout out to Michael Carmody at Wichita Vortex. Cause he's, yeah, because he's, he's the one who actually did the CD layout. You know, yeah, show that too. Show that. Uh, which, which is cool. Yeah, just kind of a, actually there. Yeah, got, and uh, you got JimVegasMusic.com. JimVegasMusic.com is, is the uh, website. And how how many uh, songs on this new album coming? Uh, this has got twelve tunes. Nice, twelve original tunes. Yeah. I, dude, I'm not gonna lie. I always when I found out that cover musicians made so much earlier money, and I was like, and that made me love the art of people making their own music even more. And I always was like. I always, even before I knew shit, and I never would know anything about the music industry, I'm just some dumb-dumb, but I was always impressed by people that would come into bars and play their own shit, and I was always like, just play your own shit, and I always would encourage people to do that, so like, that's fucking awesome, so you're now how many albums deep? This is, uh, this is our seventh record, yeah, I mean, I mean, to be fair, the first two records really... The first record was really just me and Tommy Crab. I don't know if you guys remember Tommy, remember but Tommy, Tommy, still miss you, man. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Tommy, Tommy did the drums on the on the first two records with me. Um, on the second record, I was also joined by Jeffrey Dybel on sax. And Jeff is amazing too. He, I love that you always put words in, man. I've been jamming his music all week, guys. And if you like a little horns in your music, it's really fun. It's the morphine influence. Yeah, dude, I love it, dude. Dude, I fucking love that. Morphine's one of my favorite bands ever been. You know, it's 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 that, and there's a there was a guy named Eddie Cleanhead Vincent. And Eddie Cleanhead. Yeah, Eddie Eddie Cleanhead Vincent. Wow, that's a name. And and there's one record in in between in particular by him. It's a record called Kidney Stew is Fine. And that, that one's got him and T-Bone Walker on it. And there you go. And he, Kidney Stew is fine? Kidney Stew is fine, yeah. I mean, and, yeah, and, uh, don't eat that shit. Yeah, and he's, but, but he, was, he was a blues saxophone player. And uh, I listened to that record for, uh, I don't know, like easily over a year trying to learn everything I could off that record. But that was another one where I was like, it, you know, it was like, no, you know, for what I want to do, there's got to be a sax. It's got to be there. So, uh, and Luke Luke Young's been been with me for. Show off all well, I mean, for, yeah, yeah. Okay, so we got so we got the first first record that I did. This was like Strange World 2013. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm not going to say this is the best record. It's the, the recording quality. You guys all hate your own music. The, the, record, the recording quality Just, wasn't I'm great. I'm to all musicians. They hate their own art. This is painful as hell for them. No, we start somewhere and we evolve. Exactly. And, and, and looking back on shit does suck. The second record was a record called The Bullfight Is In Your Head. Do you have beautiful artwork on all your records. I like all the covers for all your records. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then we did this too, this record called Rock and Roll Ain't Cheap. That's, that's the one I've been. That's what I've been listening to a little bit this week. And, and that that's a, a true statement to this day. Yeah, um, it is. We're talking about records. You know, I I don't think I've ever gotten money back from a record. Close, maybe on a couple, but uh, you know, by the t you you got the cost of making the record, you got the cost of trying to promote the record, you got you know the cost of hiring musicians for the record. And all if you kinds try to tour it at all, you're and tour, down. yeah. So how much um, of that money do you have to pay for out front? Like, how does that work? No, no you, you pay, pay all of it. Well, anymore. Yeah, I mean, if, if you're on a label or something, that's different, obviously. But, but you do. I mean, you've done most of your shit on your own. All the stuff's in. Well, that's so, yeah. you're doing it the right way because you get to own all your art, man. Yeah. This was kind of the first record where I, I really thought we were kind of onto something. Uh, this was a record called Soul Shattered Sister. Um, and th that was the first record where we started getting reviews from, you know, real favorable She used to get a little traction. Yeah, which, which we're, you know, we were talking about how you promote a record now. And so yeah. that's another thing is that, you know, you, you think about quotes from, you know, like, this artist is great or whatever, whatever they're going to say about you. You know, well, it doesn't cost you money necessarily, but. By the time you get those quotes, they're not useful for the record you got them for. That's what I'm saying. So, so, they're, so, they're, so they're useful for the next record. Okay, so, so you know, you, 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 get, you get done with the CD, you send it out everywhere, you get some favorable reviews, which is great. 
that doesn't do you any good until you put out the next record. Then you can use those quotes. And, you know, so the, that's the kind of thing is like with every record you get a little traction. Um, but anyway, so that, that record uh, was kind of the first one. Then there's two records that are just available digital because I, I started to get to a point where I was like, is is honestly, gone? yeah, it was like, yeah. Honestly, is there a point still with Z's? But, oh, but there is. You, but there is. Are you sure? Yeah, there, there is. is. Tell me, are you really? Okay. As two musicians, I am the audience. To me, I have not bought a CD yeah. in fucking right. 10 years. What I'm going to tell you so is that you don't listen to blues. Yeah, I do. I, I, I'm going to say. I've been listening to his music all week and I've listened yeah. to it online. But, but what I'm going to say is that the older crowd still wants a tangible CD in their hand. And there's, and there's still another five years. And there's, there's still. If that. If that. But I'm saying that the crowd is there that still wants those. I'm still part of the crowd that does want those. Uh, I still have two tubs of fucking. CDs, yeah. but I don't. You, my fucking car that I drive now doesn't have a fucking CD player. That's right. So like, I do. I mean, you are right, John. People do want something for a dollar. They want here's ten, here's a thing. Here's a thing. Yeah, in my hand. But when you're talking to somebody that's low, that's younger than twenty five, they don't. They don't give a fuck. They don't care because they never knew it. But, but the older crowd, they, they know what that is, and they want to go through all the lines. But how much money are you taking out of your pocket to make these things? A lot. It's been true. And I'm not going to lie. I love that you guys go into the to all the trouble because they are beautiful. They, you get like you get a little bit of a tune of like what the artist is like. I'm going to guess that this costs you about three dollars and twenty cents a piece to make. Yeah, that's probably about right. You know. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know that that being. And then, and then, and then, and then, you buy a thousand of them, and then studio fees, you know, because your studio time is a separate thing. So that's that's what people see sometimes is they think, well, it only costs three dollars to make. Why is it ten dollars? Well, because you because you spend another seven grand in studio, and I spent a lifetime learning how to play fucking music. Right? Because it took me. I mean, to be fucking honest, I mean, buy a fucking CD for ten bucks and shut the fuck up. And tip the guy five. Yeah, two dollars. Why do you need the change? You're gonna you're gonna spend it on a fucking piece of shit shot. You're gonna dump in the toilet tomorrow. But yeah, the the other thing, still, believe it or not, with radio and print media, this still does something to them as opposed to you sending them an electronic press kit. It legitimizes you a little bit. It does. I mean, you know, I would I would still recommend. In addition, giving them being on every MP3s and digital formats, you know, because you want to make it easy for them. I see it like this. I, I see send your EPK. Yeah. And if they respond, send them the pack. Right. You know, send them the right. EPK is electronic press kit. That's what we're talking about. It's all this same stuff. You get the graphic, and you get the you get the bio. You get some pictures. You get a thing. Yeah, you, you get all that. But if they respond to that, send them something they can put in their hand. And and do and you honestly should do. I think everything that Jim's doing. Look, so Jim's got he's got all this all the hard stuff too, and he's got a flash drive for us to play at the end of his shit too. So like, you got to start covering all those media's like. Yeah. Guys, nobody's nobody's going to do it for you. you if you don't do it for yourself. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, it's the same thing DJ Carbon just, yeah. was just talking yeah. about. Like, you can't right. you know, you yeah. go out there and do the shit yourself, unfortunately. Yeah. Right. Be, be a force, force in your own scene. Yeah. Be seen. Be present. Well, there was a... I just read a... Was a Art Blakey, the drummer. I read a great, great quote from him like this week, and I, I, don't, I won't remember it word for word, but, you know, essentially he was like, listen, we're not here that long. And you're no big deal. So, so, so do the best that you can possibly do while you're here. Yeah, make and, and you know, and so that's that. You know, that's what you do. You go out and you do your best. You do, you do. And every time you learn, you know. I, and you know, I, I think sometimes people set these like goals that are like lifelong or something, where they're like, you know, I, I got to do this. You know, don't do that. Like, you know, if you if you want to record a song, go record a song. Let that be your goal. Like, get the song as good as you want. You know, if you, if your song is if your goal is to write a song, write a song. Or if your if your goal is to you know this month I want to write thirty songs, write thirty songs. You know, but you got to set those small goals that you can achieve, and then you think, okay, now what can I do? Because I did that, so now what can I do next? You know, and I think that's the only way you can keep moving forward is you know slowly 
you know, and changing them all the time, you know, like, you, you, so you, you know, so you set a five year goal for yourself, fine, you know, but also set a month goal or a week goal. A week or today. Yeah, or today. Yeah, today I'm going to get out of bed and be nice to everyone I meet. And I'm not going to be a jerk. I'm not going to flip anyone off when I'm driving my car. Right? I love that fucking mindset. Hey, I love that fucking mindset. Let's just not be dicks. All right. All right. Yeah, there you go. Hey, that's a great note to uh, wrap up the show on. I guess. Yeah, let's first and foremost, where can we get everything Jim Vegas and the High Rollers? Where is all your social media? Yeah, Jim Vegas Music on on Facebook. It's Jim Vegas Music. You know, Twitter, same thing. Instagram. It's all, all at Jim Vegas. And Jim Vegas. I found I found at least three albums on Apple Music, and they're all over Spotify too. I'm sure as well. So get out there and check out his stuff. We got the show coming up. Let's get it one more time. Yeah, show us one more. I just like the artwork. I can't. Yeah, it's good. It's, it's fucking beautiful. So we're getting that one more time. You see you at Barleycorns on September 15th, and the album comes out the following day, which is Aaron's birthday. Yeah. Which is all I'll, I'll be the big three zero. And, and honestly, I'm not gonna lie. Jim's got pretty good. Jim's, yeah, Jim's got an amazing hair, hair piece and haircut going for the that's right. for yeah, front yeah, man. Looks good. It looks goddamn amazing. It looks goddamn amazing. And uh, the moral for today's podcast is: don't be a dick. Don't be a dick. Don't be a dick. And uh, cheers, everybody. Much love. Love you. Let's hey, roll, it. roll that beautiful. Roll that. Hey, thanks for doing this, Jim. We love you, brother. Someone's coming You will show them which